Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Doctor Who in itself is a show all about evolution or regeneration, if you will. The whole concept of change is baked into the show's very soul. Things could have been so different. The Doctor Who we know now could have looked almost alien uh, to what it could have been. With all the special effects and ambiguous storylines, complex sci-fi ideas, and an almost six-decade-deep pit of lore, we look back at big changes the show made and think, duh, that was totally the right decision, but in reality, that was still a big gamble. We've had a few bits and pieces go wrong here and there in the past, but by and large, the show's been pretty steady since its conception. However, what about those things that could have happened? Parallel who? What then? Time to head in the TARDIS and stamp on some butterflies to see some alternate futures. I'm Rich, your go-to for Doctor Who from WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 ways Doctor Who was almost completely different. Number 10. Shona almost became a regular companion. Although Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman did two entire series together as the Doctor and Clara, respectively, yeah, the original plan had her leave after their first series together, or Series 8 as we know it. According to showrunner at the time, Stephen Moffat, the finale of that series, Death in Heaven, was written and recorded as Clara's exit, though behind-the-scenes folk really wanted her to stay. I'd have been happy with her dropping her key off at the door then, but you already know this. Moffat eventually persuaded Coleman to do the actually pretty good Last Christmas special, but the lingering potential of Clara bolting was still there. So who was to take over? Well, if you watched Last Christmas, then you'd have already met her. Shona. It's not an alien concept to have future companions appear in previous episodes. Martha and Donna did it, as did Amy and Clara. During production, it did look as if she was going to be taking over as companion come Series 9, and going back to that episode, it is painfully obvious that that would be the case. She's absolutely the standout character of the bunch, bar Nick Frost's Santa, of course, and even asks the Doctor to meet him for a curry at the end of the episode. If she appeared in the TARDIS co-episode 1 of Series 9, it wouldn't have been that much of a surprise. Number 9. Michael Jackson nearly starred in a Doctor Who movie. Doctor Who is a weird show. We've had Blue Peter competition winners fueling episodes accumulating in the implication that Elton shags concrete slabs with faces, and people turning into tiny fat babies. Sure. Doctor Who has had many big screen discussions in the past. 1996's Doctor Who not really counting since it was a TV movie. The most recent of these big screen projections, A, was from David Yates, who you probably know from directing Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix through to the Deathly Hallows and also both the Fantastic Beasts films. This sudden announcement that he was doing a Doctor Who film was shot down almost instantly by Moffat, but the most ridiculous and sudden of the lot was the idea that the King of Pop was going to become a Time Lord. Back in the 1980s, Doctor Who was on a decline, which led to the show being shelved back in 1989. Even with this in mind, Paramount Pictures were pretty keen on supporting a film produced by Dalton Rays, who held the cinematic rights to Who at the time. Who over in the States was a tough sell, and it was only really until the 2010s and Matt Smith taking the lead did it really stick. But Hollywood were going to bring it all over in a big fashion, with a big, big name at the helm. 
Michael Jackson. Another name thrown into the ring for the role of the Time Lord was Bill Cosby. Yeah, this story hasn't aged well. Of course, this plan didn't come to fruition, but blimey. Imagine the perception of who now after all of that stuff. Might have been interesting. Number eight, the day of the doctor was originally built around Clara. When, <laughs> I think I threw up in my mouth a bit. Imagine an episode of just Clara. Ooh. When Doctor Who hit the big 5-0, a celebration was in order. Along came the day of the Doctor, a story which saw Doctors 10 and 11 meet up with a shadow from the Doctor's past looming over everything. John Hurt's War Doctor. Day of the Doctor was great. My expectations were middling because Moffat's, but thankfully it was awesome. As was An Adventure in Space and Time, which saw David Bradley cast as William Hartnell slash the first Doctor, which he eventually reprised in Twice Upon a Time. Anyway, Day of the Doctor could have been a lot different. Neither Matt Smith nor David Tennant were actually contractually obliged to play the Doctor for the special. So old Moff had to come up with a compromise in case everything just fell through, and that was Jenna Coleman. This concept was set to immediately follow on from the name of the Doctor, with the Doctor himself stepping into his own time stream and wiping himself from existence. Nicely done. Clara then has to try and remember him with various Doctors, played by various famous faces, cropping up in various stories, which Clara begins to suspect are actually all real. It does sound interesting, definitely, but I'm not entirely sure how well a Doctor Who anniversary celebration would have sold without any actual Doctors let alone just Clara. Blech. Number seven, Paul McGann's TV movie almost led to a weird reboot. When Who was shelved back in 1989, we didn't see anything of the Doctor until the TV movie in 1996, starring the positively dashing Paul McGann. Bringing back the Doctor after a seven year hiatus into what was basically just a single glorified episode did seem a little strange. However, this wasn't produced simply as some one-off. The Doctor Who movie was made as some kind of backdoor pilot to a reboot of the show and to make it into the public consciousness of audiences over in the United States. The BBC, Universal and Fox all had their fingers in this McGann-fronted pie, with Fox in hopes of picking up the series come the successful figures from American audiences. Bit of a spanner in the works, though, and the ratings didn't do McGann, Universal, Fox, or the BBC any favours. So what would this American reboot have been like if the figures weren't complete arse? Well, it would have followed the Doctor, who I would assume would still be being played by Port McGann, hopefully, searching for his father, who was on Earth. And on Earth, he was known as Blackbeard. Yeah. Also, the Daleks were big spider-like things instead of the pepper pots we know now, but they have actually appeared in Doctor Who comics and novels before, so it's not all outrageous for a spider-Dalek concept. And the TARDIS had a whole five rooms. Just five, versus the you know, infinite number that we actually have in the current TARDIS. Probably a good thing then that this reboot died and didn't regenerate. Number six, Hugh Grant almost played the Doctor. When a Doctor's actor is revealed to be canonically kicking the bucket as the Time Lord, the speculation begins almost straight away and usually the most ridiculous suggestions come in for who will pilot the TARDIS next. Post-unsuccessful reboot attempt in 1996, 2003 saw the announcement that Doctor Who would be coming back under Russell T Davies. So the speculation began. At one point, Davies had said that the Bridget Jones star Hugh Grant was perfect for the role of the Doctor and even offered it to him back in 2004. Just think, at one point in time, we were one email away from the bad guy of Paddington 2 being the face of 21st century Doctor Who. Yeah. Hugh Grant's bumbling charm would have put his ninth Doctor more towards the nature of Matt Smith's eccentric 11th Doctor, which is very different to Eccleston's 9, who is the best, had to be said, 
who was more grungy and serious. Series 1 may have had been reworked conceptually to fit a lighter Doctor. Even then, it might have started a trend of much bigger Hollywood stars being cast as the Doctor, and who knows how well that would have gone down. Number 5. Ridley Scott was originally meant to design the Daleks. The Daleks are the Doctor's greatest enemy. Conceptualized by Terry Nation and designed by Raymond Cusick, originally these exterminatory pepper pots were to have a much different upbringing. Before he directed the likes of Alien, Blade Runner, and Gladiator, Ridley Scott worked at the BBC as a designer, working on shows such as Tonight, Z Cars, and Out of the Unknown. Once those were done and out of the way, though, Scott was sent to work on the second serial of this new sci-fi series, Doctor Who. This serial specifically was soon to be legendary as it was the Daleks debut. With the script penned by Terry Nation, Scott was originally set to be designing the Daleks themselves, but due to scheduling conflicts ended up working on something else and Raymond Cusick was given the job instead. I've never actually seen Nation's original design concept pitch anywhere, so who knows how much freedom Cusick had. There were some concept sketches, which you can see just here, but how different could the most iconic villain in pop culture history have looked with Ridley Scott behind the pencil? Number 4. David Tennant almost stayed for Series 5 Probably the second most iconic Doctor in the runnings, Tom Baker of course being the first. When David Tennant announced he wasn't returning as the Doctor when accepting an NTA award back in 2008, Britain broke. Forget Brexit. This is where things really went wrong in the UK. Russell T Davies was also passing on the show on a torch to Stephen Moffat, but we knew this a good few months before Tennant's departure. So, there was a little window in which the 10th Doctor would have crash-landed into Amelia Pond's garden, and that was going to happen. Amy would tend to the Doctor, feed him fish fingers and custard, probably, then he'll tumble back in the TARDIS, fly away, come back when she was older, but then not actually remember crashing. As the series played out, it would transpire that this moment with young Pom was actually all after the events of the series, and actually the last moments of 10 before regenerating into 11. Seeing Tenet with Amy Pond could have been really cool, but of course, Tenet left. A big rework was needed when it was revealed that he was leaving, and elements of this concept remained, as you saw in Series 5. However, there was a point when all of this reworking for an 11th Doctor could have been for nothing, because... Number 3. The show was almost cancelled when Tenet left. The show would not still be running today if it weren't for Russell T Davies and Christopher Eccleston doing a bang-up job with reviving the show back in 2005. He's the best Doctor. I've said it twice in one list, it must be true. When Tenet took over, though, that was when things really kicked off ratings-wise. The show was basically untouchable. His last few specials through 2009 were huge. No surprises then that the BBC bigwigs were rather unhappy to see him go. How bankable would the show have been without Tennant? Well, they were that concerned, they almost gave up entirely. Russell T Davies, though also on the way out, convinced them otherwise. The show is known for change. Regeneration is right there, slap bang in the middle of it. Viewers adapt to new things. Thankfully, the BBC didn't cave and stuck to it. Matt Smith was cast, Series 5 went swimmingly, the US finally caught TARDIS fever with Doctor Eleven and Amy Pond, and the rest was history. It was a close call, though. Number 2. The Sonic Screwdriver was nearly gone for good The Sonic Screwdriver is a familiar, if horrendously overused, staple in Doctor Who today. While New Who audiences associate the Sonic to the Doctor as much as you associate the TARDIS to them, fish to chips, to jewels to immature mum jokes, classic Who was a little different. In 1968, five years after the show started airing, did the Sonic make its first appearance, and it was supposed to be written out of the show entirely back in 1982's The Visitation. The fifth Doctor's Sonic was destroyed by a reptilian called Terraliptil, as then-producer John Nathan Turner was sick of the Sonic being too useful. <coughs> Sound familiar? <coughs> Matt Smith? <coughs> Jodie Whittaker? <laughs> Other than the sixth Doctor using something Sonic-esque, it didn't appear again until the 1996 TV movie, then the revival happened, and then it never left us again. If the writers kept the Nathan Turner approach, the Sonic would be an occasional plot device, but now it just feels like it's whipped out every three seconds. Someone write those Terraleptals back in. 
And number one, Sidney Newman did not want any aliens to appear. Fun fact, Doctor Who was originally going to be a children's educational program. The Monster of the Week format we all know and love today was absolutely not Sidney Newman's original intention. The Doctor was supposed to gallivant about in the TARDIS as he does, but doing so showing the audience factually correct representations of space and history. Newman wanted no bug-eyed monsters. Look at how that turned out. He was originally strongly against the idea of the Daleks, but producer and absolute legend of Verity Lambert fought tooth and nail for them. He buckled, and then Dalek Mania happened. Newman was wrong. The kids were behind the sofa, the ratings were through the roof, so more spooky alien concepts were conceived, and the rest was wibbly-wobbly history. Imagine Who as a purely educational show. Not even sure it would have even made it out of the 60s, let alone run for 56 years. Thank you, Verity. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>